poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Philosophical Friday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and Duncan Palamortis. Welcome, my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson. And today is Friday, which means it's a philosophical day. Duncan, welcome back to the show, my friend. Absolutely. Good, good, good to be here, man. How's everything? Everything's good. It's my pleasure. Just excited to dive in and have these conversations that I look forward to so much each and every week. Likewise, likewise. Um, so the topic on hand today, what, what, are we, what are we talking about today, Duncan? Right. So uh, every once in a while, I see these arguments when it comes to poker. I mean, you know, like I'm very interested in, in the game and also I consume a lot of poker-related content. And uh, people, every once in a while, they come up with this argument that, uh, you know, the concept of acting out in public, the idea that uh, it's okay um, because poker is such an emotionally driven game and it's such an emotional roller coaster that it's okay for people to have outbursts. It's okay, you know, to to get out of line. And actually, some would argue it's desirable. People want to see that. People want to see, you know, uh, poker players to you know break stuff in in real time and curse and and do all those things. And I wanted to explore this a little bit, sure, because you know, I guess the some some questions that I had is that. Um, you know, in other aspects of life, like if, for example, if I have a bad day and I really want to vent out, uh, let's say in the office, I mean, I don't work in the office, but let's say I'm in the office and I have colleagues, like, is it okay to start screaming and yelling? And like, you know, that's that's what I wanted to explore a little bit. And sure. uh, and, and and I want to start with, with, the, uh, with a specific question, you know, uh, you've seen outbursts, like we've all seen them, you know, sometimes they're funny, sometimes not so much. But what is your emotional response, generally speaking? Me personally? You personally. When you see a poker outburst, uh, and it depends, of course, on the situation, but tell us some of the top thoughts that, that go through your mind. What are you thinking when you see an outburst? I almost never am affected emotionally when I mm -hmm. see a poker outburst at this stage of my life. I think it's just somewhat expected, especially on TV and such. So like when somebody's smashing something or somebody's yelling, it's like, to me, I have zero reaction. I'm not like cringing away from it. I'm not like, Ooh, that's awesome. It's almost like, eh, it's par for the course. Par for the course. Yes. And I, and I guess I should have been more specific when I say emotional responses that again, is it something you like it? Is it something you don't like it? Is it more like, you know, oh, they're wasting my time again? I don't know. I mean, it's, I have mixed emotions, right? Like, I think that as it relates to like people talking about things, that those sort of polarized high emotion moments tend to get conversations going, um, mm -hmm. tend to get poker, people talking about poker a lot, whether it be people that are like, oh, that's great, or people that um, hate it. I think that in general, polar polarization creates eyeballs. Um, and that sort of behavior is polarizing. Uh, I would say, I think that my, my take on the situation is that too much of the responsibility over time has been, like, been on the players mm -hmm. to create these sort of like entertaining or polarizing situations mm -hmm. while they're playing in a poker tournament. And I think that production behind the scenes could probably do a better job of crafting drama without the players themselves having to manufacture it in some, some ways are, you know, it's even false manufactured and you can pretty much tell that somebody's just like doing a thing to get more airtime when that's not how they actually act on a regular basis. Do you, speaking of drama, do you think like somebody needs to act like a monkey to be interesting? Or do you think like there is alternative ways that they can do that? No, I think there's alternative ways. I mean, you know, like there was a, it's funny, I try, I'm going to cite a reality 
a show that now I don't even know the name of it because it's been, it's been a few years. It was a, it was a racing racing show um, where Mm -hmm. they, it was on Netflix. It was a Netflix show. And basically uh, it was a bunch of like racers from different disciplines who were running the specific course and getting timed. And they were trying to figure out like who the best racer was. Um, And in the beginning they did interviews with every single driver and I was like, ugh, these interviews, just get to the action, you know? But <laughs> hearing the backstory and hearing where these people came from and what was riding on them being successful in this race, what was at risk was compelling. It's ultimately what made the show watchable. Like that, and that drama wasn't created by somebody, you know, trying to just be, be antagonistic towards another racer. As a matter of fact, I don't think anybody was antagonistic towards anybody in the whole series. It was more so um, what they have to gain and what they have to lose by doing well. And in which case there was this inherent drama of when dreams were unrealized or when dreams were realized. So, I mean, from, from that way, that, that's, that's what I mean by like, I think that production side can do a better job in poker of like telling the behind the scenes stories of like, what does laddering up what is getting fourth place mean to this specific human being as it relates to their life as a human being and and i think that's compelling tv Uh, and you know i I think that it's more compelling than somebody saying they're going to burn burn the casino down um i I think somebody saying they're going to burn the casino down is like even when it was said i i thought that there was an overreaction by the poker community at large uh because it's just an act and Everybody there was, you know, they were all pros and high level players. So nobody was really affected by the shenanigans of, uh, of one specific player. So like that to me, uh, that to me doesn't matter at all. The times where somebody's acting out that do affect me are when it's targeted to one specific player and the intent is just to make them feel like shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and and you're actually making a very good point because I, I want to go back to to the thing that you just said, like you know the background, the background matters. What's inside a person's mind, you know, like their their backstory, their inner workings of their thought process, all of that stuff matters. And people can that's the people care. That's the difference between, for example, you talk about good TV. That can be the difference between a good movie and a bad movie sometimes, sure. right? If you have like people call that character development and. It's funny right. that you mentioned that because as you were as you were saying this, uh, you're talking about this these interviews. You reminded me that I had this thought recently. Um, I had an, uh, I had some uh, time to actually catch up with some of the uh, of the Marvel TV shows, and I was asking. I was uh, very surprised because I really liked the TV shows far more than I liked some of the movies. We talk about you know Fat Thor sometimes here, and then, you know talk about mm-hmm, Marvel mm-hmm, movies. Mm-hmm. We're both Marvel fans, and, and and I was like, why is this so much better? And and I think one theory could be that because the character development is much better, you get more time to go into, which is actually what these comic book uh, writers have in mind. They just just didn't create, uh, you know, a a caricature of a character. They created a a, a, a person, right? I mean, with yeah. with, with issues and uh, with uh, uh, pluses and minuses and uh, advantages and disadvantages and like a real, 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 real backstory. And I think that is. Uh, what, what what draws into into these stories and why also books can be so interesting because they have an opportunity to go through yeah, the story. Marvel would not be anywhere near as interesting as it is if there was no character development, if the characters didn't have depth, if you didn't care about them, if they weren't flawed. Um, you know, you don't need to really go very far to see the other side when it's just a character that doesn't have a lot of depth and the story is not very compelling and the villains don't have depth and you know you can't the villains don't have these areas of gray like the dc Mm -hmm. movies in my opinion i just don't like any of them they just lack humanity in some way that that just makes them not compelling to me whereas the marvel tv shows that are produced they just they're just much better as far as like characters and stories, which ultimately like, that's the point, right? Um, you can't just make up a superhero and all of a sudden it's the best one ever. You, they need a story. They need, you need to know about them, their fears, their drives, their motivations, where they come from, where they're going, their failures, their triumphs, all, all of these things. 
Absolutely. And, and and you heard it here, folks. The Marvel better than DC. Okay. So like the, <laughs> the debate is closed. The debate is over. It's <laughs> over. it's open and shut. Yeah. When when the entirety of your franchise rests on one character making a decision because his mom and your his mom and his enemy's mom share the same name, I think that yeah, that's <laughs> that's a, that's a nail, nail in the coffin for uh, one of the franchises. <laughs> I will only use the exception of uh, you know all the 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 the, the Batman trilogy uh, from uh, Christopher Nolan. That that would be the only exception because I think that was uh, very 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 well made. Incredible, um, but not really a part of the DC expanded cinematic universe. Not not the cinematic universe exactly. It's like a reimagined story, like like Joker, for example. Yeah. So why don't we take the uh here's a suggestion why don't we take the uh, skin in the game approach and ask mm -hmm. ourselves the question instead of asking how would we respond when we see people having outbursts mm -hmm. let me ask you this how would you choose to behave in a public setting and why like you are in a highly televised show how would you choose to behave and what is the the thought process behind it hmm not a thing that i've given a ton of thought into like I think my typical my typical MO is to be a fun loser um, mm -hmm. because I think that people enjoy playing with somebody who's a fun loser. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a meetup game in Vegas in the past week or so, and me and John just determined that we were going to play terribly. And, <laughs> you know, I was, uh, I ended up getting buried um, in this one, two game and try to be as fun of a loser as I possibly could, you know, give people some excitement as they're doubling up through me again and again. And <laughs> I mean, that that's typically how I want to present myself. Um, if I did have an outburst or showed emotion, I, I think it would be just in the general sense of, you know, not directed at anyone, more so just directed at the moment, whatever that moment might be. Um, I, I can, I know for a fact that I would not celebrate. Uh, I, I actually think that what's interesting is the good celebrations are to me can be as obnoxious as the general outbursts of negativity. Mm -hmm. Just whenever you win, somebody else loses. And I think it's just super disrespectful to just like make a hero call, be right. And just scream at the top of your lungs. You know, that, that to me is just like, man, it's kind of gross. Uh, maybe even grosser than somebody yelling because they got a bad beat, in my opinion, because that, that's like being a bad winner. And, and maybe that's even worse to me than being a bad loser. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, that's uh, I think uh, uh, that was one of the questions of the past. You know, what is worse to be a bad loser or a, or, or a bad winner? Yeah. And I think it's 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 kind of ugly. I would definitely agree with you. Um, do you think that. Uh, any sort of outburst, uh, especially like on, on live television, do you think is lazy in any shape or form? And to clarify what do I mean by that, uh, sometimes it's easy to uh, to just be yourself and uh, something that I actually encourage everybody, including myself, of course, to be. I mean, you want to be yourself. You don't want to be somebody else. But at the same time, we have some ethical conducts, right? I mean, some rule of conducts when we're in public. Like, for instance, you know, uh, we may resist the temptation to to scream in somebody's face when you know they're not helping us or you know at a at a clerk uh, you know wh whatever it is like let's say that we have a disagreement with them or they they're not helping us with our day and most of us you know they will you know uh, uh they will uh, we will refrain um, refrain, refrain from yelling yeah. exactly we will refrain from from the outburst, right? I mean, we will control ourselves. So that's the hard thing to do. The easy thing would be to just be ourselves and then start, you know, calling that person name. So do you think there is something similar uh, to poker, or because the you know the the the, um, the emotions run run much higher and there is far more tension, is more understandable? And what are some of your your thoughts? Well, it's hard, right? Like it's a, it, because I think biologically we're all constructed differently you know i don't mm -hmm. know i don't know if phil helmuth is capable of controlling himself just like if he did work on himself every single day for the rest of his life trying to tone down his poker bradishness mm -hmm. would he be able to contain himself i don't know it certainly appears as if the answer is no but 
I don't know how, how much work he's done specifically in toning that aspect of his personality down. Um, so let me f- follow up on, sorry, no, no, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I was, yeah, I just think that it, it kind of depends on how a person is made, whether it's lazy or, or not lazy, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I would agree with that. Like, I mean, if there is a huge amount of depends in everything, right. And it depends on the person, but you, it's interesting that you brought up Phil Helmuth, because I think there's something incredibly interesting, at least to me, uh, the concept of calling yourself a poker brat. And I've always asked myself, uh, is this, you know, an understanding of the situation or is it a rationalization of an otherwise deplorable behavior? Like I always ask that myself, like, is it okay for me to go in public, you know, start, you know, berating people? I'm going to say, you know what, guys, I'm a good guy, but that's Duncan, everybody. Mm-hmm. Duncan, everybody, you know, like, can I, can I do that? Like, can I actually give myself a nickname or is it understandable? Because Perhaps I am Duncan, everybody. So you know what? You have to live with it. So at what point? I think that, so I think mostly, I don't know that he gave himself that nickname, although he does lean into it and embrace it. I think that because of the way that he's gone about things in his career, it appears as if there's incentive to be the poker brat, Mm -hmm. which makes it to where basically it creates a situation where he's not going to go out of his way to not be the poker brat because then people just aren't going to talk about him as much as they currently do, which means that he's going to lose relevance um, as it relates to like sponsorships or promotions or whatever it is, right? Like the goal is to get eyeballs in that, that direction as frequently as possible. And, and it, Appear, certainly appears as if that he gets more eyeballs than the the super calm and nice people at the table mm-hmm. um, that never have any outbursts but have you know more success on the felt than him. No, that's 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 a very good point. And and and, and to be fair, I think there's something to be said about um, there's it's different to say that you don't have outbursts versus saying that you're a uh, for a lack of a better word, you're a boring personality, if you will, right? So I yeah. can see I can see a difference between the two. Like sure, one can be. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, you're right. There, there's a definite difference in like never showing any emotion and being a robot, because that's just. I think that's that's bad too, as it relates to like the entertainment factor of poker. Absolutely, and I, and I have a specific uh, a, a example example in mind. I mean, you know. Uh, both poker related but non-poker related i mean with poker is a little bit complicated because we try to analyze poker so it's perhaps better to use examples from different areas so that we can see what's what's going on and the the example that i have in mind which i think an incredibly interesting personality uh would be a person like sam harris right i mean sam harris um uh, is not a person that you will see outbursting in public right Mm -hmm. but i mean you can certainly not call this person boring like a lot of the things that he can say incredibly interesting things and some many of them controversial to some so it's the type of person that can keep you entertained without having to to curse a single time or without having to yeah yeah i think there's different profiles that are different archetypes that work for entertainment you know there's the terminator right like phil ivy he doesn't have any emotional outbursts ever Mm -hmm. i don't even know that i've heard him talk on a final table stream unless he's being interviewed in some capacity, you know, it's just, but he just shows up and, you know, he's like just greatness, poker greatness in the flesh. He's a Terminator and people really enjoy watching that archetype go to work. Um, I think Sam Harris, again, he's, he's not super emotional, but he does ask difficult questions and has difficult conversations and has access to humans that are at the top of their field that make for just very compelling um, viewpoints, perspectives, and opinions. So, I mean, Sam Harris, yeah, he's not ultra emotional. However, he's also compelling. And that is more related to, in my opinion, the, the, the topics that he's willing to really dive super deep into and talk about that most of humanity would probably be afraid of touching with a 10 foot pole. Absolutely. And I think that that can make things interesting. And I and I think that's 
that's what I would call the epitome of free speech, right? I mean, the fact that you don't need to be uh, a salty to the other person, right? I mean, you don't need to be an asshole mm -hmm. uh, to, to be interesting, right? I mean, you can actually poke into very interesting topics and be very, very interesting and be very uh, non-boring, if you will. Sure. And, and you mentioned Phil Ivey, and, and uh, why don't we uh, try and dissect, what do you think that Phil Ivey, uh, specifically, what are some of the things that he does besides his game? I mean, because there's a lot of good players um, that make him so interesting at the poker table. I don't know. I mean, I like to me, it's it's his game. It's the myth. It's it's everything. The the legend that he had. You know, in the same way that like Doyle's not the most entertaining poker player to watch on high stakes poker, but everybody watches because he's Doyle. He's legendary. I, I think it's just how that persona has been built up over time. You know, Ivy was there uh, during the moneymaker run. Back in you know 2003, he mm -hmm. like finished ninth. So he's been a part, this, despite being only in his like mid 40s, he's been a part of the poker myth mythos for a long time. You know, for close to 20 years, um, and he's never really gone away. He transferred his skills from live play to online and was exceptionally successful on full tilt playing online, which is not an easy transition to make. Mm -hmm. um he's just been high level extremely adept at any form of poker that he's taken on and i, I think that's very compelling i think that's when you build somebody up as the greatest of all time you know i ran a tournament a few years ago called the hashtag poker goat and mm -hmm. phil ivy won far and away nobody even came close to beating him in the votes as to who is a better player um and I think that if I were to run it again today, that would be the case. And if I ran it again in five years, that's probably going to be the case still. I would agree with that. I would I would bet that would be the outcome. So, so to summarize, you think uh, part of it is what these figures, uh, Phil Ivey and Doyle Branson in particular, represent? I think so it's that, lucky. It's okay. it's right place, right time. Right, right place, the right time. But also... Uh, the, 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 the results, right? I mean, because sure. again, both Phil Ivey and... The, those um, two exponentially, uh, they work together and they exponen exponentially increase each other. You know, Doyle, right place, right time. He was in Vegas playing, you know, Texas Hold'em, wrote a book on Texas Hold'em that would one day explode. His name was in Rounders, um, mm -hmm. you know, in the same way that Phil Helmuth was, his name was in Rounders and Johnny Chan was in rounders. And I think Johnny Chan, his name being in rounders actually built up uh, kind of the myth of Johnny Chan, probably a lot bigger than it deserved for a number of years in, in the poker community. But, you know, it's just, he won a key hand against Eric Seidel at the WSOP, won a world championship, and then won it again the next year. Um, and then it was publicized and, and it was talked about in a movie. And now it, is the thing of legend and i mean yeah right place right time and now we have to convince our students that no there is no consistency in the main event people don't expect the same people to win the tournament at all. no <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean no, right but there was yeah. also not no, as many pe people in it back then back then as well and i'm sure johnny had an edge yeah it's super super fortunate super lucky to, to go back to back but at the end of the day he played one hand well against eric zidell who uh, basically just value bet way too thinly and busted himself. And I mean, that's it. He, he played one hand very well. That was in a movie and that, that just built his name up to something astronomical. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, if I may add to that list, uh, a couple of things that I personally find interesting, uh, I think specifically for Phil Ivey is the way he also handles himself at the poker table is very special. I mean, the famous, you know, Ivy stare, for example, right? I think that's something that, you know, we don't get to see that from, you know, the poker professionals today. Like, I mean, it's something that uh, is uh, um, like, for example, like poker professionals tend to uh, to behave like similar to someone like, let's say, Patrick Antonius, where they sort of like feel like more cold. Um, well, Patrick Antonio, so you, you mentioned something there that kind of, mm -hmm. I, I realize another part of Ivy is he's always taken on the best. 
He's never shied away from playing the best players on the planet in a public setting ever. Like, so he's always been in there battling. And, and I think that there's something about that that is just innately compelling whenever mm -hmm. you think there's a nosebleed game going on somewhere in the world at this moment. And chances are Phil Ivey's in it. I mean, that, that's something that is just innately compelling to me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, that, that uh, again, uh, adds up to the uh, incredible um background right i mean the incredible like it builds on, on on that myth so it definitely makes it makes it stronger right and some players will play in a high stakes game with 12 big blinds and, you know. <laughs> that, that's also that's also that's also true uh i i did want to uh add also one thing that uh because you mentioned uh doyle branson i think that something that has for him other than his age obviously i mean again which his age is something that uh to your point, adds to to the myth, to the to the background, right? I mean, it's uh, the fact alone that we see somebody who's like over eighty sitting at the poker table is just incredible all by itself. But there is something about uh, Doyle Branson again, the way he handles himself, but also when he opens his mouth to tell a story, I think that everybody's listening, right? Because it's uh, people want to hear the old timer talk about stuff, and he always has like an excellent timing. It's not. He's necessarily trying to do that to entertain. He's actually said that he doesn't consider himself an entertainer, but he has these stories. And I think uh, these. I'm not an entertainer, but I'm going to regale you with stories for hours on end while <laughs> oh, you're no. just totally entertained, right? Like that's. that's exactly <laughs> Are you not entertained? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it is, uh, it is, uh, it is really, re really interesting, I think. And uh, so. I guess so. To to to, to close this thread, um, it, it it sounds as if we both come to the conclusion that there is other aspects that can make somebody interesting. Sure, um, absolutely. You don't have to well, be an ass well, to to be interesting. Like maybe there needs to be some kind of antagonist. I don't know. I don't really think that's true personally. I think the antagonist at a final table can just be life and life situations and past failures and that sort of thing that it doesn't need to be like a villain who's, mm -hmm. who's involved here. I think it's probably unnecessary in our game. Um, but I also think that the mistake that in my opinion has been made with poker and entertainment is that we've tried to highlight the game too long and mm -hmm. we've tried to highlight the sheer amount of money that somebody wins and you just get, used to that we need to know the stories behind every player at the final table where they come from their past failures what winning means to them how this will be life changing what they'll do how it upgrades their life um, how they can provide for their children if they don't you know if they make like top three and then they bust in six right like you feel that pain mm -hmm. when you understand these these players more often um but instead when a player busts six it's like oh you won two hundred thousand dollars how is it going to change your life and you're like, yeah, no, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> now I'm out of makeup. Hooray. Like, Which it's actually that you, you bring this up because, uh, I guess a follow-up question on, on that would be, uh, do you think that, uh, in the absence of, let's say villainy, uh, we need to have something akin to rivalry and if not, uh, if a rivalry is not necessary, uh, do you think we need to have some sort of friction of any kind, which is what what you just mentioned yeah, sounds I think, like i think rivalry is good i think rival rivalry is probably always good in in any endeavor um friction maybe i'm not sure i'm on the fence i could go either way like i don't mm -hmm. is it necessary probably not in the same way that i don't think emotional outbursts are super necessary mm -hmm. for poker um I, I think that friction is probably not necessary either friction like uh, maybe friction is not a right word. Um, you, like, do you think that it it feels like some sort of like a obstacle to overcome, if you will? Or if what if we replace the word friction with the word obstacle? Like, do you think it's necessary for like the same way that when you when you're watching a movie or you're having a story, there's always a problem, like some sort of like a a challenge to be overcome? Do you yeah, think I that think that's I think that that would be good for compelling storytelling. Mm -hmm. um and the obstacle could just be like a big stack right or just mm -hmm. like a really strong player that has tons of success battling at final tables where you know it's a david v goliath type type situation mm -hmm. 
uh, as poker players, like, do you think, um, I, I, I guess twofold question. Um, first of all, like as public figures, do you think uh, uh, public figures have responsibility on the way they behave, which is something we've actually asked before. Yeah. And, and I guess the follow-up question on that, um, do you think that there is a specific measures that can be taken uh, or specific ways we can behave at the poker table to perhaps unmotivate uh, or discourage uh, specific, like, you know, outbursty behavior and promote a more higher quality, uh, sure. promote a higher quality. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that to me has been, it's pretty obvious that like the punishments in poker are kind of strange. Um, like one orbit off exceptionally subjective. I mean, basically just hard rules as to what kind of behavior is not tolerated. And then, you know, a penalty could just be they take five big blinds from your stack. You mm -hmm. you lose chips for acting like an idiot. Um, and if you have seven big blinds, now you've got two. Best of luck, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think just having direct incentive to not act in a particular way um, through losing of chips, that, that to me seems the best deterrent, right? It's like, oh God, I lose 10 big blinds if I yell at this person and I've got eight big blinds. So you just bust yourself. Well, you're probably going to be able to summon the willpower to not act like a jackass. Skin in the game, essentially. On top yeah. of skin in the game, right? Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yes. And, and, and how, about, how about responsibility? And again, I mean, this is something that uh, it's, it's, it's personal. But do you think that uh, perhaps, again, I can address that question to you personally. Do you think you have responsibility as a public figure on the way you behave? I think that you do but you know it's again we're in this like subjective territory of like mm -hmm. what's acceptable and what's not acceptable right. I, I think maybe the responsibility is just to be consistent with the perception of you <laughs> which would be great for, for phil hellmuth right um i don't know i mean I, it, it it depends right like so i i guess it 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 really hinges on who you're trying to serve. Are you serving yourself? Are you serving humanity, right? Are you trying to serve the, the people that um, you're influencing, that listen to you, right? And if you're trying to, to serve those people, then yeah, you, you have a responsibility to act in a way that, you know, you want to see other people act in a way that like, makes things better, it improves things over time, not in a way that, you know, can be self-serving that gets you, a, you know, a sponsorship deal or whatever through just being antagonistic towards people and doesn't really serve humanity at all. Like nobody's like, we're not getting better by mm -hmm. yelling at people and tearing people down and all of that sort of thing. So, so I guess like, to me, it's a matter of like, are you focused on your audience, your people, um, mm -hmm. or are you focus on yourself. And if you're focused on your audience and the people who look up to you, then yeah, you have a responsibility to act with maturity and have grace under pressure. To, to dig a little bit more on that, do you think like uh, uh, they have also responsibility, or we actually, I should say, we have responsibility as human beings also? Like to, sure. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I think that what's the point of life, if not to progress humanity forwards and that our behavior and our actions in any kind of a setting, regardless of who you are or whether or not you have an audience, um, impacts humanity. You know, if you're yelling at people in Starbucks because they added whipped cream to your coffee and you said no whipped cream. Or they forgot. Well, right. That's, that's probably not doing a, a great service to your fellow man, right? It's, it's making the workers feel terrible. It's making everybody around you feel uncomfortable. Um, and it's also driving home a point that it's okay. There's mm -hmm. social proof that what you're doing is acceptable. And I, I think that like avoiding that, putting that kind of social proof out there, um, we should be responsible for that. It is important. I, I would I would agree with that. And and if I were to add something to, to all of this, uh, I call it the the great paradox of life, right? The the great paradox of life. Uh, I have two examples, but basically generalized to the the following idea that on the one hand, 
uh, we should be absolutely responsible, uh, never call ourselves victims, no matter what, for every action we take, uh, and uh, take full responsibility on all of our actions, as I've mentioned multiple times. But at the same time, be completely ready that people are not going to do the same, right? That's what I call the paradox of life, right? We should be ready to realize that the world around us is not full of responsible people. We should be 100% responsible, but expect that others are not going to be, right? That's why I call the paradox of life, because that will protect us necessarily, self-protect us, not expect outer protection yeah, that's, from outside. Yeah, that's a long-term mistake, right? Is like trying to hold everybody to your you par paradigm of Ex life, whatever whatever that is. I, I think that's just critical mistake. Um, and again, the the if the goal is progress, that's not a way to create progress. Mm -hmm. um, because then you're just trying to make people feel bad about their own perspective, which is not a way to influence another human to look at the world in the way that you do. Absolutely. And and I have an example, which is considered a hot take and, and nobody likes, but I nice. think it, 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 sum, it, summarizes, sure. it summarizes that idea. And the idea is that I think that I think of parenthood. I think that parents have absolute full responsibility to give everything to their kids. Meaning if a kid wanted you to cut one of your arms, you should be doing it because it's your responsibility that that kid, and that's that's the part that, you know, it's a little bit visceral, right? But the idea is, of course, that the kid didn't have the, uh, uh, the opportunity to ask whether it should be born or not, right? It was the parent's decision to bring the kid to life. So they have full responsibility. They should give their own lives. At the same time, the kid should be ready to be completely emancipated from their parents. Because they should be, if they really, really hope their parent to actually give an arm and a half to them, they will never going to be able to be free. So it's this really weird paradox, which um, sort of like summarizes that, 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 that idea that the parent should be ready to give everything and the kid should want nothing. <laughs> so Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it makes sense. And I, I mean, some anecdotal things that I've observed as a parent too. I think that parents often don't, that they underestimate the responsibility that they're carrying as it relates to their children. Um, we went to a place in Georgia, Stone Mountain, um, maybe a few years ago, which Stone Mountain, Georgia is in the news for lots of reasons, uh, namely uh, the Confederacy and uh, a lot of uh, <laughs> it's a polar, it's a polarized topic I know, um, to say the least but we were walking in they had a like a snow thing and this dad was walking with two kids and one of the boys hit the other boy um and you know the dad just spanked the boy like just hit him and yelled mm -hmm. at him and said don't hit you know and I, it, it just kind of struck me as like just doesn't really see what he's doing. Doesn't see mm -hmm. the cycle. Um, right. That isn't responsible for what's going on, and that's not something. That that's not a way to foster the kind of behaviors that you want in your kids by hitting them and then telling them not to hit people, right? right. Um, and so, yeah, I think that like, yeah, you have incredible responsibility as it relates to to your children, and again going back to influence and outbursts um, just in the real world. Like everybody is, you, the, every single listener is influential to someone in the mm -hmm. world. Absolutely. Right. And so that means that we all have responsibility when it comes to um, acting the way that we would like other people to act. Absolutely. So what, again, to your point, because every listener has responsibility, we also have responsibility. Uh, we're listeners of other content as well. So we're listeners as well. So what we as poker players, as listeners, as human beings, can we do at the poker table to promote uh, behaviors uh, that uh, we think are beneficial? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know the answer. Like, there, right. you know, it's, I don't think that as players, um, it's our job or really our responsibility to tackle such issues. I think it's more the facilitators, the the producers, the people running the tournaments. Um, like I think that the the best thing to do would be to create rules or have mechanisms in place that deal with such behavior. Um, oh, the, the reason why I'm asking is because I, I, I feel that, you know, the, the rules is not necessarily something that we control. 
Yeah, yeah our we've had behavior. our rules, our, our rules, rules topic, right? I think right. it's exceptionally difficult, right? Like, I mean, the, the short answer is just be cool, you know, mm-hmm. treat people the way that you would like to be treated. And if you're feeling hurt because of a run out or whatever, just, you know, you can express it, right? If you, mm-hmm. you got to say fuck, then just say fuck. That sucked. But don't yell at the person a- across from you, right? Don't attack someone because... The reality is, you know, we had a, a Wolves workshop with Adam Creek um, just a few days ago, a high-performance workshop. And he said that, you know, before he raced in the Olympics, mm-hmm. a thing that they would say is thank you to their competitors. Thank you for being here. Because if you were not here, we wouldn't be able to compete. If you were not here, we wouldn't be able to feel the pride in winning a gold medal. It wouldn't mean as much as it does if the competitors weren't there. So if you're playing poker... Be thankful to the competitors for showing up, for being there. If they didn't show up, you wouldn't have a game to play. You wouldn't have a way to make a living. You wouldn't have a way to you know, spend your weekends as a hobby and something that you have fun. So, I mean, being grateful and thankful for the competitors, I, I think that's just that should be a motto for everybody that, that plays this game. Absolutely. And gratitude in general is something that, again, I mean, we we beat enormous odds just to be here today, right? I mean, just to have the opportunity, just being able to listen to that podcast. I mean, most people don't have that luxury, believe it or not. Uh, so absolutely, gratitude is is, is a great thing. Um, a, I, I, I do have one uh, heuristic because I've, I've been thinking about it a lot. And uh, and you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, if you if you want to say fuck, say fuck, and you know, just don't don't hurt anybody, don't assault anybody. And I think, I think this is a very good heuristic. The idea of speak your mind. If you have something to say, say it. It's a free country, and it's important to express yourself. And here's the thing: um, we were talking last week about um, censorship, and we we're talking about free speech, and uh, talking about ideas like that. I think it's incredibly paramount. To, if you have a bad idea, it's incredibly paramount to let that bad idea out because then you're going to hear the other side. And if we are able to express ourselves, I think that's a very good thing. Like You can express your bad ideas, your good ideas alike, and hopefully the good ideas are going to rise to the top. So one heuristic I can see at the poker table, if you see something that you don't like, speak up. Speak up. Don't be personal. Don't attack anybody, but speak up. Say the thing that, you know, uh, in my opinion, I don't think you should be Ray Dealers, for example. Or in my opinion, I don't think you should throw your chips like that. Or in my opinion, you know, well, like in, in what's interesting, like so, I agree that you you should not be rate berate dealers, right? But at the same time, they should also be held accountable and held yeah. to a high standard for right. doing their job, right? In my um, or, opinion, or, dealers should be held accountable. Speak right. your mind, like that's, that's right, great. right. So, and, and I mean, a, a lot of cases as it relates to dealers, like another situation that kind of popped up was uh maybe a few years ago i played a plo game and you know the dealer that was put in the game um his hands were shaking he didn't know how much the pot was when right. somebody says they raise pot he had no idea what <laughs> pot was um the player in the nine seat was like grabbing chips and like cutting the, the pot up like splitting it and it was utter chaos and i would say that you know the the dealer um, wasn't put in a position by the floor to succeed. And that responsibility where it could, you could say it's the dealer's fault. I think it's the floor's fault for putting them in that position when they know that they're not ready to deal this game where people are sitting $10,000 deep, right? It's not like a trivial situation. Um, people are playing for lots and lots of money. So th- this is a thing that needs to get right. But I mean, yeah, dealers should be held accountable for you know, their behavior, their action, their ability, ability to do their job. Um, but that isn't to say that you should berate them or yell at them. Um, you know, just constructive criticism or having a conversation with the floor about like, what are you doing? Why, why did you do this? Um, I think it is a reasonable tack to take, right? So it's this, it's not about never offending someone. I, mm-hmm. I think that inherently people will get offended no matter what but i think people need to be held to um a reasonable standard uh, of conduct so yeah like i think dealers can certainly be wrong they can act inappropriately they can do their job poorly right and that doesn't mean you, you should yell at them or treat them like dirt you're just like expressing your experience and expressing how you feel 
Absolutely. And, and the only thing I would add to that is that, uh, you know, I, I agree with accountability and holding uh, uh, the people who are responsible, responsible. But because we cannot control that, the only thing I would add is hold the only person you can accountable yourself. Sure, yourself, right? right? Like as, as a heuristic, right? I mean, Ultimately, almost, I left the game. I picked up my chips and I was go. like, can't play there this game because it's not, did, I, I'm not comfortable. And I just left, right? That's right. Um, which was the option that felt the best in the moment. Um, but yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, but that, that can be a helpful heuristic because you can always ask yourself, uh, you know, you may be the last person to blame in a certain situation. Always ask yourself, what did I do wrong? Yep. Because that's the only thing you control, right? I sure. mean, that's the heuristically, right? I mean, what could I have done better? What could I say in that situation? How can I act in that situation? How can I get, get out of here? And if there is something that you think, like, for example, um, what we're discussing right now, because again, a lot of the things that we're thinking about are about public policy. If you think that specific things are good ideas to improve, uh, you know, the casino, the environment, speak up, talk to somebody who may have the power to do that, have a conversation. If you have an outlet, like we do, say those things. Like, for example, what, what Brad is saying right now, I think is incredibly important. Like, you know, that, you know, the dealers, uh, perhaps certain dealers need a better training or uh, leadership. We're talking about leadership last week and, and, and Brad made a very important point that we have holes in our leadership. So perhaps people who are in, in, in leadership positions, they need, they need a better training. They need to uh, th think about it more. But uh, all of that really comes from, you know, our own responsibility it is our own responsibility somehow to make these holes revealed right i mean to either write a piece about it talk to somebody sure. about it it is all comes down internally even other people's responsibility is our responsibility is what i'm trying to say here right that's it and, and i know this is not a very comfortable thing to say but at the same time from another perspective is also very comfortable in some sense because that's the only thing we control <laughs> right and to clarify my point, by the way, uh, I I would say that these are those are the things that are in dealers' control to do better. Exactly. Um, right. Exactly. And, and so, things that are not in dealers' control to do better is like what river card is going to come out um, because they have an automatic shuffler. You know, I think the next time that you plan on berating a dealer, I think you should just yell at the automatic shuffler instead. <laughs> and call it a piece of shit, and you know, tell it that its mom was terrible and its genes are awful and it's just the worst automatic shuffler in the world um and just see how that works out <laughs> that's right that's right that or laplace's demon because if laplace was right about determinism you know the universe has been determined already so you know it was it was always going to happen and you just didn't know it yet um mm, yeah so direct so, your direct all of your angst about bad river cards towards those laplace. sources not not the dealer um <laughs> exactly any any final thoughts of, of any kind something that we didn't we didn't cover i'm making not really um i i think that we're all works in progress we can all do better we should take responsibility for our emotional outbursts and um yeah that, that's really it i i i at the conclusion of this I, I don't really think it's ultra necessary um when it's directed at another person right. but when it's not I think it's totally reasonable. I mean, you know, you have the, the, the people in poker lore that are the faces of sadness and agony. Um, and that's an emotional outburst, but Absolutely. compelling at the same time. And I, and I think that's probably good for poker. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a, and for the listener, if it sounds that a lot of our conversations come down to responsibility and accountability, that's probably mm -hmm. not a coincidence, right? Yeah, because again, a lot of it is 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 highly related, but uh, uh, but to summarize a few of the key points that uh, uh, that we discussed today, we were talking about uh, outbursts. Um, there is a huge range of reactions, but uh, I think we both concluded that they they're not necessary to to make a um, a public game interesting. There is other ways people um, can uh, can act. Sometimes they're lazy. Um, sometimes they just uh, cannot be uh, helped. Um, and uh, uh, another thing that uh, we talked about was the idea of responsibility, of course, that in the end of the day, it comes down to what we choose uh, uh, yeah. to do as, as I mean, people. The, just the only thing that we could do collectively when dealing with such behavior, I think, is just change the channel if you don't like it. That's right. 
if you want it, if you want it to change, if everybody changes the channel, if five players stand up and leave a game and the game breaks, as soon as somebody starts berating another player, well, that's probably going to change things. People are going to realize like, oh, we're, we don't get to play poker if we mm-hmm. act this way. And, you know, but easier said than done when your livelihood depends on you sitting at the table. Absolutely, absolutely. But I think that's uh, that's a that's a that's a good way uh, that's a good way to stop it, right? In the end of the day, again, if we're talking about entertainment, for example, we're voting, just, voting exactly. That's right. You're voting. That's a vote behavior, right? I mean, just change the channel. You know, yep. do something else if you can control and vote for something else. Yep. Vote for something else, and perhaps you can do that with your own behavior. You know, call the floor or whatever power you have. You know, just use it. Yeah, vote against yourself. Vote yourself <laughs> off the island. Vote yourself off the island. So where can people find <laughs> if if they don't live in an island if they don't live under the rock where where can, can they can they find us? Um, all the places youtubecom slash why Alex beats Bobby, um, Twitter ask the math math ask the math doctor and at CPG podcast and chasingpokergreatness.com greatness village that's where we talk about all of these things these are the typical places to find both me and duncan and if you have any questions comments follow-up thoughts on today's episode or any of the past episodes greatnessvillage.com is the place to directly connect with me and duncan Absolutely. And thank you, everybody, for your thoughtful comments and suggestions and constructive criticisms. We always read everything. We appreciate it very, very much. And and, and keep them coming. Yep. And to 80% of the comments, I agree. Duncan's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I agree, too. I agree. That makes me very happy. At least I can improve. I love it. I'm terrible. (laughs) I'm just joking. I'm just joking. No, don't take it back now. (laughs) I got to take it back. Got to take it back. All right. Thank you for listening and we will see you next week. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.